In the dark years between 2001 and 2015, Shenmue fans created many games and projects to keep the community alive. My guest today, Bloodhound Town, is no different, having created Shenmue in Dreams. Welcome to the dojo. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Apart from the fact I can't speak, all good. (laughs) (laughs) But it is what it is. Right. Thank you for coming to the dojo today. And I appreciate your time because obviously it's the weekend and all the rest of it. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you by by all means. So before we get into your project with Shenmue in Dreams, um, let's go back to the beginning, I think. Can you talk me through sort of your, some of your gaming history, your favorite consoles, games, and sort of what brought you into gaming before we before we even sort of touch on Shenmue itself? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, well, I I guess I started with, I mean, my uncle had an NES in his house, and I started the first game I ever played was Castlevania II: Simon's Quest, which is kind of a rough start, but uh, from there I had the Sega Genesis, and we played like you know the Echo of the Dolphin. Uh, I like the Aladdin game. There's even like a magic school bus game, which I really liked because I was a little kid at the time. And then um, uh, one I really liked, which I think was kind of a foundational game, was called Scooby-Doo Mystery, which was essentially it was a point and click adventure on the Sega Genesis. And that kind of gave me my adventure itch that I think has carried over into my entire life. Um, So then we got the N64 and, you know, The Legend of Zelda, obviously was a huge uh, foundational game for everyone. And uh, one thing that really stuck out about Legend of Zelda for me was like the Kakariko Village, uh, mm-hmm. which was an, an amazing town, you know, just like wandering around that town. And then moving on to Majora's Mask, we had uh, Termina, which was like when I mean, we had the whole clock town, which was basically just an entire town. Um, so I had kind of had a, an interest in, in towns and like going into games and just experiencing the world. Um, and like looking around, talking to people and, you know, taking things at your own pace. Um, I guess also when I was a child, I was also really into like gaming magazines. I know everyone loved like Nintendo Power, EGM, PC Gamer, all that. And so I kind of like obsessed over game reviews and just was would always read every game review, like enjoyed just looking at the pictures. And I kind of like cataloged all the games in my brain throughout my lifetime up until a certain point, I think around 2006, I started tapering off of uh, keeping on top of everything. But uh, now, I mean, I'm more casual and just touching the games that I like, you know, but um, yeah. um, so, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if you, know if you ever used the site like GameSpot or oh, uh, yeah, I remember GameSpot. GameSpot, you know, just classic, you know, Greg Kasavin and all those guys, you know, now they're making games, you know, they made like uh, that game Hades. Um, I was like the game revolution, which was really cool. They had kind of edgier reviews, IGN, obviously kind of like the sellouts of the bunch, but I liked IGN. Uh, I also really liked game trailers. I don't know if you uh, knew game yeah, trailers. Yeah, yeah. Game trailers were brilliant back in the day. I love that oh, stuff. Um, it was amazing. You know, it was the only place you could get really high quality, um, game videos at the time. Well, you could kind of have some stuff on games spot, but it was a little bit, you know, a little pixely. Um, but yeah, game trailers was great. Um, I remember looking up like the Animusha three trailer, which is amazing for the time it was like amazing, you know? Um, and then from there, I know game trailers kind of evolved into what's called easy allies, which is a cool little, uh, little subsection of the, of the gaming world, which is interesting, uh, to kind of, you know, keep the game trailer spirit alive. Uh, but mo- yeah, uh, mo- moving back to, uh, I guess when I was playing games, 
when I was a child, I also played a lot of computer games, you know, Deus Ex and Real Tournament. American McGee's Alice was cool. And but one that really stuck out with me was Escape from Monkey Island, which was a 3D uh, Monkey Island game. Obviously, I had a Mac when I, I had a Mac when I was a kid, so we didn't really have many options. Um, but that was one of them. <laughs> so kind of had to deal with what you had. But I, I, I really liked Escape from Monkey Island, which, again, kind of kind of feeds into this Shenmue style where you're kind of wandering around. You're, you know, you're talking to people, discovering what you have to do next. And, you know, the story kind of progresses as you as you go along, um, you know, so it it was kind of a, I think, a foundational game for me. And, you know, it also had excellent writing, uh, you know. So all those, like, adventure games were kind of big for me. Um, I also played a lot of bad games, too, because and I didn't really know they were bad at the time. Like Superman 64 I played, which was terrible. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know it was bad. I was just like, why am I so bad at this game? It was like I didn't I didn't blame the game. <laughs> but uh, so uh, we also like after N64, I got um, the Dreamcast. My brother and I, we we saved up uh, like it wasn't that expensive at the time because we, we were a little late to the I think we got it in, in 2001 or 2002. But and it, and it had already gone down in price like dramatically. Uh, we couldn't afford the PlayStation 2 or the Xbox at the time or, or I don't know, even know if it had come out yet. But uh, the. Uh, uh, the Dreamcast, we you know we picked it up for a really good price, and we got a lot of games with it. We got uh, Soul Reaver, Sonic Adventure, Fantasy Star Online, uh, Jet Set Radio, you know, Skies of Arcadia. Um, most of these I played, and my brother didn't really touch. Um, and then, and of course, we had you know Shenmue, and that's mm-hmm. where that's where the journey begins for me. Because since then, I've kind of really, really uh, focused on that game quite a bit. You know, it's it's been a uh, you know it's I don't know how to really describe it. I'm, I'm sure you know the same feeling. It was kind of, I don't know when, what time did you play Shenmue in your life? Like what, what age did it kind of. I you... got it for my 14th birthday, actually. 14? Um, wow. Perfect. So it's, yeah. So, so early, early mid teens. Um, it, it was just, it was just after Christmas, actually. I picked it up. Um, That's perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. So it, it worked really well, but I think, I think my age came into it in terms of the impact it had on me. Exactly. Right. And it's like um, it's that moment in, in your life is really I feel like what Shenmue does is it is it kind of like gave you a taste of being a grown up, even though you're only 18 in Shenmue. But it's like the ability to go out late at night and just like wander around, like go to bars and stuff like that was like really exciting to me is when I played it. I, I was I think it was like 11 or 12 when I played it. And it was just so like exhilarating, I thought, to, to really, you know, I think with all the the factors that Yu Suzuki put in the game with the music and the authenticity of the, uh, the world, it just felt, um, it just felt like an, another experience entirely. I mean, I, again, I had already played like many, many games, many prestigious games in my childhood, you know, obviously legend of Zelda. But when I, when I played Shenmue, it was like a, uh, you know, a light bulb moment for me when I realized, Oh wow. Like this is what games can be. And it's kind of, a I don't know what it is about Shenmue, but it kind of, brings up like existential kind of feelings whenever you whenever you play it you know it's uh just the feeling about games as a whole where you're you know in a virtual world which is kind of another theme in my life is like games as a virtual world you know because you know we're you can you can we can discuss this further if you like but I, I know a lot of people have talked about like simulation theory and uh 
you know, whether our own reality is a simulation and, you know, games like Shenmue kind of like made you realize, well, wow, like, you know, when you really put enough work into something, it can really feel like another world, you know? So yeah. that's, uh, I know, I completely, I completely agree with what you're saying there. It's, I think the Shenmue package, I think was very well timed for us, given our ages mm-hmm. at the time, it's that perfect mesh of music, the world, the writing, the characters, and it encapsulates all of that together to transport you into the, like into a, a simulation of another world where you are in control of that world. You're in control of that person and you link yourself to that person's emotions in, in this case, Ryo Hazuki. Mm-hmm. And you go on that journey, almost standing side by side with him and no game at the time. And I like you, I've played Legend of Zelda. I've, I I'd played all those, all those you know, well prestige games over the years but I never felt the connection with those games that I did with Shenmue and the way it just brought you into that world to stand next to Rio, to feel his emotions, to feel that world and atmosphere and also engage in the world itself. Like you say, it was, it was freedom. Uh, You could go to the arcade, you could go to the bars, you could do whatever you liked. Exactly. And, And I think at the time as well, there was nothing like it. It, it was a light bulb moment for the gaming industry, in, in my opinion. As, and this is just my humble opinion. It's the, in my head, the first proper AAA title that we associate today. Yeah, no, I can see it, that for sure. The cinematic, the way, yeah, 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 exactly. In the way it was presented, in terms of cinematics, in terms of all the motion capture, in terms of everything, as the package, it it was the first to do all of that. Which mm-hmm. now a lot of games we almost take for granted. I think in some respects. Yeah, I, I, you know what I think is kind of the uh, the unsung, uh, fa- uh, like the continuation of Shenmue. Oddly enough, to me, is not like Yakuza, which a lot of people think is the I know is the spiritual successor to Shenmue so- somewhat, but I really think that Rockstar Games actually in- was heavily influenced by Shenmue. I think they, you know, they created um, GTA Three, um, which was its own thing. You know, it was kind of arcadey. And then at the same time, uh, there was Shenmue. And I, you know they were looking at Shenmue at that time. And I think you see the, the elements of Shenmue, which have graduated into games like uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, where literally in the games, you, you pick up stuff and you like look at it in your hand. It's just like Shenmue. You know, you're talking to everybody and everybody has their own individual dialogue, just like Shenmue. Um, you know, it's... it's, it's it's a strange natural progression, obviously a totally different uh, world and theme and even gameplay style, but it's just the fact that the world itself is so um, organic and, and, and like really handcrafted. It, it's, the, it's really a, a carryover of the Shenmue spirit, I find. You can get in these Rockstar games, even if it's totally thematically different, obviously. But I mean, they're obviously, they're very cinematic as well. You know, it's kind of, um, I think, a natural extension of Shenmue, strangely enough. But it's unsung, I think. Shenmue has a like, huge influence that's not, not, really, uh, not really talked about. You know, it's unfortunate, you know. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. And you look at um, CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk on the way. Um, oh, yeah, perfect. They yeah. Have, they've openly, you know, publicly credited Yu Suzuki for creating the open world genre. Oh, they did? They, I didn't hear that. Wow. They did it. They, <laughs> it was on Twitter um, last last year. I think it was Gamescom. Um, they, Yu Suzuki, or oh, it might have been E3. I can't, my dates are off. But I, mm. I remember seeing a tweet around that time where they invited um, Yuzuzuki to go and 
see you know, see the CD Projekt Red booth, see Cyberpunk, and th- they put up quite a nice tweet actually. It basically said, he, you know, this is the grandfather of the open world. This is the if you, the reason Cyberpunk is going to exist is because of this man. Yeah, and it, and I don't think in some circles there's enough credit, as you say towards Shenmue and what it was trying to do. Yes, I know some people say it's dated and some people say it's clunky and that they are valid criticisms, especially now in some respects. But nothing had tried to do what it did at the time. Yeah, and I, I think it holds up. I think it holds up. And Shenmue 2 almost took that basis. And, and Shenmue 2 is, is the favourite of, of the, the original two for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a personal feeling. They took that basis of Shenmue 1 and they refined it in my, and built upon it. And that's what games now have done. They've built on those foundations that were originally laid by Shenmue. So like the Rockstar games, as you say, mm-hmm. with the whole picking items up, talking to the NPCs. And without Shenmue, I, 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 I'd be interested to see how long it would have taken gaming to reach that level of open world in terms of cinematics, in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of the music, because it was incredibly daring at the time. And it was a massive, massive risk. I yeah, know it cost a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, the most expensive game. Financially, obviously Sega never made their money back on it. And I mean, it's unfortunate, but I think it was also on hiding to nothing a little bit on the Dreamcast, given not because the Dreamcast mm. was a poor console, because the Sony machine was in full gear at the time. Right. So I think yeah. they were always going to struggle with it. But yeah, bad timing for the Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And I think also Sega had a lot of mistakes at the time with the, with the Saturn. And the mm-hmm. various add-ons for for the Mega Drive Genesis, um, but that's a whole other topic we yeah, could talk about a... for hours. <laughs> yeah. So, being... I'm, if I move this into sort of Shenmue itself, obviously you said that you picked up a lot of gaming news from the internet. You picked it up from magazines. Mm-hmm. What drew you to Shenmue? Obviously, you've played Zelda, you played Monkey Island. What drew you initially to Shenmue itself? <laughs> I mean, it's odd. I just, I do remember, I have a very visual memory and I just remember seeing a screenshot of Shenmue in one of those gaming magazines. I forget which one. It might have been EGM. And I believe it was of Shenmue 2 at the time, actually, because I had played it a little bit later than when it came out. But it was, it was a picture of Rio walking next to some like really red leafy trees. I mean, yeah, so it must have been Shenmue 2. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just visually really caught my eye. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, I, I, had, I, had, I had a similar reaction to like seeing uh, screenshots of Animusha 1. I remember seeing those background still shots. I was like, whoa, like that looks amazing and beautiful. I was just staring and looking at all the details. Um, but with uh, with Shenmue, you know, it's a 3D world rather than those fixed backgrounds. So I didn't even, you know, so I, it really kind of stuck out to me as like a visually interesting game. And then... And then I just I found it one day in GameStop and uh, which is the like American gaming store. And it's like uh, it was, you know, it was this bigger uh, CD case and uh, really kind of really sort of stuck out to me. So I, I, you know, I picked it out and tried it and I I, like saved my lunch money basically to to buy it at the time. You know, that's how I was buying games is just saving my lunch money (laughs) and uh yeah, it, it uh, playing it, you know, it felt like I was, you know, uncovering something, you know, it's that's what a lot about Shenmue is, is you know, you're kind of you're discovering things, uh, you know, that 
that Yu Suzuki put into this world, like that that sensation of, for instance, when you're finding uh, your dad's like secret room in the dojo, like that was such a magical moment, you know. It's and and or just looking through the house to try to find the key to the to find that little secret passage. It, was, it has these um, really um, characteristic moments of discovery. Um, which again, I, I really was gravitating towards with games like Monkey Island, but Shenmue really like boiled it down into this really cinematic, really kind of almost you know emotional kind of roller coaster, um, which was insane. I mean, you think about Shenmue; it came out like a year after Ocarina of Time. You know, that, that's insane. And a year after like Half Life, so that's like yeah. no, that's crazy. Like those games look like terrible in comparison to Shenmue. I find. So I was always confused. I was like showing all my friends Shenmue. I was like, you got to see this game. It's like incredible. But somehow it just doesn't register for certain people. I think it's like a particular type of person which kind of can can see the value of Shenmue. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, what do you think that is? Like, wh who do you think it is that kind of gravitates towards a game like Shenmue? That's what I, I've been thinking about that lately. It's difficult, I think, it's to who would naturally gravitate to it. I think there was a natural curiosity at the time for me. Um, like you say, having played Legend of Zelda, I, I was captivated when I saw Shenmue in the magazines. And it, I actually went under my radar. It was mm -hmm. only a friend at school that, that showed me, because in the UK we had official Dreamcast magazine. Cool. So yeah. a, fr a friend came in and said, look, you've got to, you've got to see this game. This is unreal. This is, this is something different. I was like, oh, okay. Then you're thinking, what was this? Cause you know, you always think everyone over eggs things. And mm -hmm. us, and I remember seeing the original sort of Dreamcast magazine pictures and the description, the rundown of the game. And I was like, yeah, I sort of sat there and it took a moment to process. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Hang on a second. There's nothing like this. And from that moment on, I was always intrigued by it. I never knew there was going to be a Shenmue 2, which was really funny when I finished the first game, mm. when he goes <laughs> off on the boat, and I was like, hang on a second, what's Wait going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit like, hang on a second, I've been cheated here. Um, yeah. But um, a quick, quick, oh, I say quick Google or whatever at the time. We had dial-up internet, so it probably took me about half an hour. But yeah, slow Google. <laughs> I knew that Shenmue 2 was was coming out, so I picked that up in the UK. So obviously, it came out for us over, over here, but I know in, in America, a lot of people had to import it. But I always find with Shenmue, it's a game that if you if you go in with an open mind, and even now, where it can be considered clunky and all the rest of it, if you go in with an open mind and allow yourself to be drawn into the world and captivate yourself within what it's trying to do, I think the game, even today, can capture people's hearts and cap capture people's minds. And the storytelling is still, it holds up today, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think, I don't know if there's a certain type of gamer. I think there might be in terms of, the, the, the sort of the guys that grew up through the the 90s the in the noughties who have experienced the revolution in gaming the changes in gaming because i think we've come from we come from an era where obviously you're playing sort of 16-bit sonic the hedgehog right the, the, the evolution the yeah it's insane actually when you think about it it's such a such a quick expedited like uh way to evolve a, a medium you know in our lifetimes and our lifetimes haven't been that long yet you know so it's like it's crazy, it's crazy isn't it when you think when you think about it it's basically what, 25 years where we are in terms of technology and i think with gamers now i think 
they just if they allow Shenmue to capture their imaginations and to just feel the world, I th- I still think it can it can grow, and I still think the franchise has room there to capture new players in, and, and I think it has done to to a certain point with the with the re releases on on the modern platforms. I think we have seen an influx of new people picking it up because especially at the price point of sort of twenty pounds twenty dollars. It's almost impulse buy territory, isn't it? You go, do you know what? Why not? Two games. For- Heard about Shenmue. Yeah, why not? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then and then people pick it up and then they go, now I get it. Now I get what the fuss is about. And it, it's funny. And I think it's it, it has cult status. And I think people are always intrigued. They've heard the name, but not necessarily ever played it. And it's converting that, oh, I know of it, to then playing it and getting them sort of into that world if you like and speaking of the Shenmue world and the community and everything else um obviously we had the dry patch for want of a better expression between sort of 2001 to 2015 Oof, yeah yeah <laughs> did you did you watch e3 2015 Were, i did you, yeah you did yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I followed game trailers, and I think it was game trailers at the time that was covering, or I don't know if it was EZA at the time, but yeah, they they were very much uh, they were doing a stream of that whole event, and one of their particular uh, members is into Shenmue, which kind of kind of stuck me with game trailers for a while because they talked about Shenmue here and there. I, I, anytime like a company would talk about Shenmue, I was like, oh, I gotta I gotta follow them because <laughs> like they you know they knew it was up. So they kind of like Shenmue and, you know, they they were like screaming, you know, like it was insane. And I was like, I just had the biggest smile on my face. You had like shivers up your spine, you know, it was insane. Like, you're like, no way, this isn't happening, you know. And they did a perfect, they really did a perfect reveal, I found, you know. Even it wasn't just a Kickstarter, but it was that feeling like, oh, Shenmue is back. We can, and, you know, I think the fans kind of you know, really stepped up and, you know, what was like the fastest game uh, funding ever, right? It just, you know, it's like, a, you know, Shenmue fans really kind of brought it back, you know? <laughs> yeah, fans did bring it back. And I mean, obviously, Yuzuzuki was working behind the scenes as well to try and bring it back. But I think the fans consistent, yeah, not letting it, not letting the franchise die not resting on it and just kept that push going and going and going. And obviously we saw Rio Hazuki in, in like the Sega All-Stars racing, for example, mm-hmm. there were cameos there and it was always there. And in the gaming media, it almost became a bit of a meme in some respects. Right. <laughs> 2010 onwards, you've had nearly 10 years at that point and there's been nothing Shenmue. And I think the media would would play on it a little bit for thought of want of better expression because it was the game that was never supposed to happen, Shenmue 3. And then it did. And the reaction it got, I think, just was a sort of epitomized the fans' feelings. And watching game trailers and Michael Huber's reaction, I think his reaction encapsulated everybody in, yeah. in one person because it was it was disbelief, it was exhilaration, it was it was, it was emotion. It was that pure emotion of "Oh my God, this this yeah. is happening!" And they kept it, barring the the forklift tweet, which Yuzuki put out. I think it was on the day or the day before. They kept it so quiet. It came from nothing. There was no murmurs, anything about it, and then it just exploded into the Kickstarter and the subsequent success that Kickstarter had in terms of raising 
the funds that it did. It hit its target within a couple of hours. It was a Guinness World Record. And it's crazy, and that's because of the fan base that they set. The fan base stepped up the moment that game was was announced. The fan base stepped up to it, so it sort of leads into my next area, if you like, is Shenmue Three. And what were your thoughts on Shenmue Three? I mean, you can be brutally honest by all means, because we know it divides opinion. And I just want—I'm just interested what you thought of it, having if you played it or not as well. Oh yeah, well I definitely played it. You know, the funny thing about. Shenmue 3 is I never beat it. And here's and I can give you an explanation why. It's so I had it on my old PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. and as I was playing Shenmue 3 my my PlayStation 4 died. And the thing about my file with Shenmue 3 was I was playing on hard. And so if you played hard you know that you really have to like really yeah. repetitively grind like the techniques which I actually really enjoyed and I thought because I did martial arts for a very long period of my t- of my life. And um, seeing the, that repetitive grind of practicing techniques, while I think, you know, they could, maybe could have handled it in a slightly different way, I felt like it really lended to the whole kung fu training aspect of Shenmue, you know. So I played it on hard and was grinding out those techniques over and over again. And I don't know if you know about Shenmue and the grind, but when you yeah. lose your save file and you want to go back and play it, you're like, oh, this is not, not going to work. You know, like the fishing, while I love doing it, at that time, I couldn't see myself replaying it immediately as soon as I got the new PlayStation. So what I've been doing is holding back, and I got very far into Shenmue 3. I got to Niawu and like, you know, pretty close to the end. But I wanted to hold it off and like wait until, you know, I like the sensation of having a frontier ahead of me and not knowing, when, you know, because I know people got a little, apparently, you know, I'm, you know, spoiler, like you, Rio doesn't get Landy at the end, but it's apparently, but I didn't expect that at all. I don't, I don't know what people are really so mm. upset about there. Like that's, that was not in the, in the works for this one I felt. So, um, yeah, I got pretty far into the game and then my PlayStation died and I didn't have the heart to really replay it immediately because I knew it was going to really hurt my opinion of the game. So I'm kind of waiting, I'm waiting until it feels right. And I got a really, I got a lot of Shenmue 3 time in there. I mean, I played on a hard, so I was playing it for like 40 hours or something like that. You know, just grinding it out and like chopping wood and stuff like that. But, um, hey, I mean, uh, I'm I'm ready to play it very soon. I, w- I want to kind of like get the PlayStation 5 and then play it at its like peak potential. You know what I mean? Like I, I did the same thing for The Last Guardian. I actually haven't played that yet. I've been, and I loved Shadow of the Colossus when it came out. And Last Guardian was like one of my most hyped games. And then when it came out, a lot of people were like, oh, frame rate's kind of choppy. You should play it on PlayStation Pro. And I was like, ah, I got I to gotta make sure I play it at the best it can be. So I actually waited. I got the PlayStation Pro now, and I have Last Guardian. But then I hear, oh, if you play it on PlayStation 5 and you don't patch it, you can actually play it at 60 frames per second. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, so now I got to wait another you know, year or so to play Last Guardian. But you know, I, I hold off on games when I know that I will really appreciate it at certain certain times uh, i will definitely replay shenmue 3 i've played shenmue 1 and 2 like i mean so many times so but i knew with shenmue 3 i, I didn't want to kind of ruin my opinion of it by immediately jumping back into it and either playing it on normal where it would be a lot more easy and it wouldn't feel quite the same or playing it on hard where the grind would become kind of uh you know, a little, little much, you know, like I, I, this happened to me in Shenmue one with the forklift sequence. Like I would, uh, yeah. I, I, I did the forklift for like a few days and I didn't save. I'd have lost my save file. 
Oh, and having to redo yeah. it, ugh, it's terrible. Honestly, it's like it's like it feels like work. You know, at the time when you're playing Shenmue, it feels like this is you know really, you know, you're motivated to make the money. But when you've done it already and you have to redo it just because of your save file, it's like ugh, this is actually very tedious. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I can appreciate that. Yeah. No, very, yeah, it's it's interesting. Last Guardian, when you do play it, um, I loved it. Um, yeah. I played I played on a PS4 Pro, and um, I personally, if you like Shadow of the Colossus, I think you're you're in for an absolute treat. I know. I, I'm I, really excited. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to overreg it just in case, but I I loved it. It's a fantastic game. Okay, so going sort of into the sort of the Shenmue before we move into your project in Dreams. Um, favorite Shenmue title? We'll, we'll take Shenmue three out of the equation because you haven't finished it, but out right. of Shenmue one two. And one, um, I really like Shenmue two, but I think Shenmue one had the that initial imprint on me because I was like a little kid playing it, and it had it imprinted on me somewhat. Like I, I still have very visual memories of Shenmue one, and, and something about that city just being kind of like slightly grimy, you know, and so realistic. It's like something about it really felt so authentic. And then Shenmue two was just like its own huge beast. I, I played that one on um, on Xbox, you know, because uh, we didn't have it on Dreamcast. We had to kind of wait uh, yeah. for the Xbox version to come out, and you know, it was a it was a it was a different kind of game because it's a lot more of a of an adventure moving outwards rather than in Shenmue One. It's kind of like you're wandering around your hometown, you know, really cover uncovering every little corner of this hometown. In Shenmue Two, it's a lot more open ended, and I think I think I could. If I replay Shenmue 2 again, I mean, I've replayed it quite a bit, but I, I'm sure I can find more and more and more to appreciate just because it's so big that I might have lo- I might have missed some of the details. But Shenmue 1, I feel like I played so much that I know every single detail of it. And especially now with this Dreams project, I, I literally know every detail of, of each little corner of the level. So I have a, a, more of a sentimental tie to Shenmue 1. So I would say Shenmue 1 is probably my favorite. Um, something about it you know it's like um and it has this kind of i don't know the the word but it's kind of yeah i mean melancholy would be the word i would say it's a kind of um a, a tone throughout the game obviously because your your dad was murdered and you're trying to discover his his killer and it's that initial um tone of the game which kind of drew me it was kind of a a dark and somber tone um that um and shenmue 2 is like kind of more exciting more like uh more exhilarating i think because you're kind of uh you know exploring a new new uncharted world but that shenmue one has a kind of an emotional feeling for me um that you know that's kind of it resonated very very much so with my with my life you know that that scene of like leaving shenmue one with the background and you know you're walking away from the u arcade it just like it, it gives me chills just thinking about it. It's like I never want to leave Shenmue One, <laughs> but it's like, uh, hey, you got to get to Shenmue Two and Three. You know, it's a huge adventure. <laughs> no, I think you're right. It's the Shenmue One is that homely experience, isn't it? It's it's Rio's hometown. It's everybody knows him, and and you're right. I think Shenmue, Shenmue Two expands out into this vast world where you, in some respects, feel lost. Um, and those intricate home comforts are gone, and I, I mean I think that's deliberate. But I, I think where that's where Shenmue One and Two differ, even though they're part of the same series. Of course, 
they're very different in the way I think they present themselves in terms of the world and what you can do and the way they they capture the imagination. So it's interesting to hear, especially because you talk about it in your YouTube video a little bit as well mm-hmm. about how that how that world sort of just encapsulated you and then obviously inspired this project and there's been obviously a lot of fan projects and games over the, over the years, which have kept the community going. So sort of touch, we've touched on this already is what, what inspired you to then sort of make the jump and go, do you know what? I'm going to make a Shenmue fan game. What, what, what kicked that into gear? Well, um, I'd say, well, I'd heard about dreams from a long time ago. I mean, they announced it, I think around the time they started talking about the PlayStation 4 and the way they described it was just sounded out of this world. It was like, you can literally build anything and you can create anything at whatever scale you wanted. And I was like, okay, that sounds like it's a bit of hyperbole, but it really is that. And I had, I bought it. I got the early access for dreams and it was at first very, very uh, difficult to play, especially on, on a TV uh, with a controller, like Dreams probably has, I think, the steepest learning curve of any game, maybe barring like Flight Simulator or something like that, because it's an extremely intricate control scheme. And there's actually two control schemes you have. You can do the DualShock or you can do the PS Move controllers. And with Dreams, it's a it's a lot. It's essentially a tool or where you can 3D sculpt, you can animate, you can create music i mean literally anything you want to do you can create films within it you and it's all based around this engine so essentially what it is is it's like a streamlined unreal engine that uh, provides more user-friendly tutorials and much more streamlined design which which but it still is a very powerful tool and allows you to create pretty much whatever you want um so I tried Dreams out, and I was having a really difficult time playing it. I couldn't really make much more than like a really crappy dude walking around and like some moving platforms. And I was like, "Oh, is this really what Dreams is? I don't think this is for me." Because maybe I could make something good because, you know, I've seen some good stuff. But I realized like it would take a very, very long time to learn this this control scheme, which is extraordinarily complicated and i was like oh is it worth it to learn this control scheme or because it does take like probably 100 hours for me to learn how to do it properly and is it worth it to do that or should i try to focus on something else and at the time i was like i didn't think it was worth it to 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 learn dreams that was until actually i had found out that dreams was going to have a vr patch which completely changed my mind about the thing because if you've ever tried um like painting in VR, it's a really surreal experience. Being able to paint in a uh, 3D space is just, it's, it again, it's like a light bulb moment where you're like, oh my God, this is a new entire type of game. You're literally manifesting like matter in front of your eyes. And so with VR, it's an, kind of a very surreal and really groundbreaking way to create um a 3D art or whatever it is you want to make. And I knew that Dreams was really going to really get a huge boon from this VR update. And so the VR update came out in June uh, of this year. And yeah, as soon as it came out, the day it came out, I immediately dove into there. And you and it really benefits from like um, 
the the PlayStation Move controllers because when you have a controller in each hand, you're literally um, your command over the 3D space is so that you you have the ability to zoom in, or you can be as giant as you want to be in what in the world you're creating, or as small as you want to be. You can literally in one second go from you know I'm towering over Yokosuka, and then in the next second I could. I could really zoom in into the little tiny corner underneath one of those gotcha machines and like be underneath it and put like a little bug under there. So it gives you a huge capacity to create things at a scale that was unknown. And it's, it's, it's really surreal. If you, if you can, if you can find uh, the time to learn the systems and dreams, you in particularly in VR, um, you will find that, it is a, I think, an entirely new genre of game, like game creation as a genre of game. Because when you play Dreams, it's, it's a, it's fun. Like it's not boring to create a game. It's not like you're clicking around on a, on your laptop. It's, it's very tactile. You're literally like manifesting cubes in your hand, and you can like make them bigger and smaller. And, and uh, whenever you want to create mountains, you're like basically creating piles of play-doh and like carving them out with your hands you know so it's it's a super tactile super fun experience that i don't think the dreams team was really uh highlighting that well and i but i just knew that from painting in vr in the past um I, the, the game that i had first painted in was called it was like harmonix's like vr tech demo type of game where you're just like you know painting like a rainbow color in the sky with some techno music in the background but it was incredibly fun like just seeing the paint strokes in front of you and being able to like you could paint like a hat on your head or something like that you know it's it's a it's that is a, a huge new frontier in games which i don't think is really totally been understood yet because i understand that uh you know the kids these days <laughs> they love games like minecraft you know they like they like games with creation um and customization and uh, what dreams is is essentially it's like that but to a whole nother degree where you're not making things with blocks you're 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 um oh well here's the other thing about dreams is that you also have this huge database of other creations of all the other players. So you have a huge database of stuff to work off of rather than having to, you know, create my own bicycle. You know, I can just find a model of a bicycle that has a decent amount of detail and I can just, you know, put that in the game and then alter it however I want, which is insane too, because you can literally customize everything to whatever degree you want. If you think, oh, well, this tire is a little bit too small. You can, you can make that tire bigger. You can do literally anything in dreams. So seeing that in my head, I was like, wow, this game is something else. You know, I really have to, I have to play it when it comes to VR. I, so when it came to VR, I immediately dove in. First thing I started building, I built like kind of like this huge open area like a big hilly area with like some that that red asian gate you know that whatever that thing is that those little uh, pillar thingies and you know some stuff that i found on the database i was surprised like how by by how cool it could look pretty quickly and that was just from me just kind of messing around for 30 minutes i made kind of a, a big world obviously it was nothing similar to shenmue but uh from there i was like okay let's get focused and let's see if I can learn the the, um, the uh, creation tools of this game by using a template 
which I know very well. And what did I know better than Shenmue? It's, it's like my favorite game of all time. So I, I started just with Rio's room. I was just like, okay, let's start building Rio's room and just see how it is, you know? So, you know, I, I found all the pieces that I needed to kind of make his room feel like his room. Um, put them all together, you know, started learning things. The, the whole process was kind of a learning experience. And I think if, when you play the, um, the Shenmue Dreams project, you'll see it's like, it starts out, obviously I fixed it up, but it starts out a little bit different than it ends up. Like the scale gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Like now, I mean, I started in, uh, in um, Rio's room, then I went into the hallway, then I went into all the particular rooms in the houses, and then I went into the backyard, and then I went into the, uh, the dojo area. And then from there, I was like, okay, this is pretty good for Shenmue VR. Like, should I release this now? Um, and I was like, you know, maybe I should just try to build the town, you know, to, to give it a little bit more of a feeling of like scale, you know, because just having the house, it's like kind of a small thing. So I started building the, uh, the exterior of uh, Yamanose. And uh, again, I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. When you see the scale of the, uh, of the town, it feels it feels like a town, you know, and and, and so I, I kept going. I, I started I did the shrine with the cat and then I went to Sakura and then I did, um, you know, it, what really surprised me was like as I was creating this thing and I was learning more and more about dreams, how much better the game became through those certain systems. When I first started, I was like, OK, I don't know how I'm going to make dialogue. I tried, you know, um, using the uh, the logic behind the game because the game has a very complex logic. Well, it's not that complex. It's actually kind of simple but it is very difficult to learn. Uh, there's a complex logic behind the game which allows you to program things. So if, for instance, I, the way I have dialogue working in the game for NPCs is when you, um, you hover your cursor over an NPC, they will say uh, one of three or four things, uh, which I have hooked up to a randomizer, which is then hooked up to like a, a gadget, which is like connected to your uh, sensor, your, your visual cursor sensor. So that took me like days to figure out how to figure out. I actually like um, had to go on Reddit and I posted and there's a lot more smarter people than I about more smarter. There's a lot smarter people than I about the programming in this game. And if you if you have any questions, you can just ask on Reddit and people immediately jump to help you out. And that's how I, I figured out cer certain aspects of the logic. Um, and then, you know, I, there's always different difficulties you'll face with the logic in the game. Like I created that system to where the dialogue was hooked up to a randomizer. But if you were to like quickly flick over uh, the NPC over and over and over again, the dialogue would loop over itself. So it would be really kind of take you out of the game. It would feel kind of, you know, not polished. It didn't feel right. You know, you, you wouldn't be able to hear what they were saying half the time because you would accidentally scroll over them twice and they would dual uh, double up on their dialogue. It would sound terrible. So that required even more logical understanding of the game. Um, which I fixed, uh, remedied by using these things called exclusive gates. I mean, it's kind of a whole, <laughs> it's a whole thing, but that I actually figured out how to do by myself. And that sensation of figuring out the logic myself of rigging it up so that the dialogue wouldn't double up on itself. It was more satisfying to me than defeating a, a, a boss in dark souls. <laughs> you know, I was like, Oh, I, I like screamed out loud when I, I was like, I was in a, uh, I was in a euphoria state for a couple of uh, hours after that. I was like, I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I figured it out. So Dreams is a really, really 
insane game that I think will, I think it's going to graduate over onto the PS5. And I think uh, what's going to happen, and I do think this is kind of inevitable, is that they're going to allow for dream surfing, which is the ability to look at other people's creations. I, I would hope that they create that or that they make that uh, free. So that way anybody can kind of like have an infinite amount of VR content if they want. And they can look at the creations and they can be like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Maybe I can I can make that myself. And um, that will hopefully draw more people into dreams and, and bring more people into this ecosystem, because the more people come into this, uh, this whole thing, the more. Uh, assets that that everyone has to use and so you you know it's it's the longer this thing goes on as long as it doesn't piddle out which you know it could happen i hope it doesn't happen but um as long as it doesn't piddle out it's the the game is going to get even more big and robust and just allow for way more uh creation uh, tools for everyone. So I, I hope that, you know, people give dreams a shot and especially in VR. I think that's, what's key is that it's in VR because uh, have you ever, do you have a VR, uh, set? <laughs> I'm getting one soon. Um, I have played VR though. Luckily enough, I've been, I've used, um, the HTC, I've used Oculus, I've used the PSVR and actually I like PSVR. I think it, um, I don't, just for me, it just works really, really well. And I think VR in gaming itself is, a, is, is a whole, now I think they've got to grasp what VR can do in terms of immersing yourself in a world or immersing yourself in something like dreams where you could, you can mold things, you can do whatever you like. I think it's a whole untapped resource there for gamers. And I think dreams feeds into that, as you say, and from from perspective of VR, I think while it's still in its infancy, I think there's a lot more to come from it. And and harness from it as, as from a development perspective and i think dreams is an element of that that will allow more people to access those sorts of things which maybe they'd be a bit reticent to might i say i think that's probably the best way i can put it yeah i mean this whole thing kind of got me into like i realized wow i love making like video game worlds it's a uh, it's fun you know it's it's a lot of fun um I don't know if you ever played around with like when I was a kid, I would actually make um, like uh, 3D worlds, too. If you have ever played with this program, it's called Bryce and you could make like these This is from like the 90s. You'd make like these 3D mountains and you could like place trees on them. And I remember really being into that uh, as a kid, too. So it kind of is a natural progression of that to an, an insane degree. <laughs> like, um uh, it, I don't know if it's like some kind of God complex or something where it's like, I like to be controlling an entire world. And it, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like when you're playing dreams, you feel like a superhuman because you can like, Oh, this mountain is too small. <laughs> or I can make it bigger, you know, with your hand really quickly. It's, it's, it's so, uh, so tactile and so fun. So it's, uh, it's, I think it's a cool new frontier. You know, I think it'll get a lot of people into game design. Um, not that I'm, uh, make a career out of game design, but I would love to, you know, use this as a kind of jumping off point to learn about more, uh, more engines and, you know, create more stuff. Cause I, I, I've, I really found that, you know, it, it, it scratched an itch. I didn't know I had where it was like, oh, wow, building 3d game worlds is actually really fun, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So, so with the project itself, obviously you sort of touched on some of the challenges and everything else that you've come across. Rough estimate, how many hours do you reckon it's taken to, to get you where you are currently? Oof, I mean, 
It's a, <laughs> I mean, hundreds of hours at this point, I'd say at least 200 hours, you know, because I play very consistently. And when I do play, it'll be in like five to six hour chunks, pretty much. Uh, occasionally, you know, I'll do quick, quick bits here and there. But when I really go in there, I, I go in there for a while to, to my, uh, to my fiance's chagrin sometimes, but she yeah. actually, <laughs> she's been playing Animal Crossing though. So she's been plenty busy with that and <laughs> probably logged more time in Animal Crossing than I have in, into, into dreams. So it was, you know, it's a, a lot of time, but it, and it was, I, that I, I don't regret it because I think you get very much rewarded for the time you spend in there and you're rewarded every time you go back into your previous creations. You're like, wow, I created this a couple hundred hours ago, but it's, I'm still using it because it's the beginning of the game and you can see all the work that you put. Um, it's just, um, it's very inherently motivating to keep going because you, you see the progress of what you created. Um, what's also cool about dreams is that everybody has their own skill set. Everybody kind of has their own forte and there's, um, you know, some people might be more into just creating character models and sculpting very realistic uh, character models that other people can use. Or some people might be into making architecture. Some people like making uh, the flora or just trees. Some people don't like to do any of that and they just want to make music. And some people want to create films and this stuff. And what I found that I gravitated towards was just, I wanted to make a game. I wanted to make a game and what game could I make? Because it was it's kind of hard to figure out how to make a game. Um, but I, I decided to just emulate Shenmue because I thought it would, and a lot of people be interested in playing it. Um, it. It's something that I could just reference back and forth and uh, really pinpoint particular details. And um, also it was just um, to, another factor of this is that I get to spend so much more time in the Shenmue world. I know it's my own version of Shenmue, but it, it does feel like I'm in like Shenmue <laughs> making this thing. So that's that's another aspect where, you know, you get more time in Shenmue 1. I... I I I've been flirting with the idea of, you know, Shenmue 2, but that would be that would be like a thousand hours to create because of how much bigger that is. But I do have a whole foundation of learning about dreams. Now I could probably make it a lot quicker than I made Shenmue 1. Um, but really focusing on Shenmue 1 right now, uh, a couple of more like upgrades I want to put into this game uh, that I think I, I mentioned to you earlier. I want to have it so that you get to a certain spot in the game and then you exit an area and then suddenly everything is nighttime. I want it to be to have a different feel for nighttime. You know, you know, the, you know, all about Shenmue and when it changes yeah. tonight, it's like a whole different feel. Um, and I was also contemplating, you know, changing the weather too. So I want to, you know, Shenmue is like where I have it now. It's kind of, it's a day in Shenmue that I never actually got to. It would be in the springtime. So you're seeing all of the cherry blossoms bloom in, mm -hmm. uh, in the in the world and it doesn't really fit with the time scale or the time frame of Shenmue 1 because Shenmue 1 is obviously in the in the autumn and the winter you can get to the spring but you're kind of cutting it close uh, so the whole the weather system I have right now it's, it's a it's a different day than you would normally expect in that world so it's not quite as glum not quite uh, not as quite as a uh, gloomy or dreary it's really kind of a vibrant sunset with a lot of uh you know there's leaves blowing around and stuff like that but um i'm thinking about you know in that night mode i was thinking maybe incorporating like snow i think that would be because snow is all you know shenmue is all about that 
you know, weather system and the different sensation you get from different moments of, of time and weather. It's again, getting, getting kind of existential here, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's the next step. And that could take a while, honestly, but, uh, I have put a deadline, hard deadline on myself for, for Christmas. And so I, I, I really want to put this thing out by Christmas and, uh, and whether or not I'll, I'll, uh, keep moving on from there is kind of up to, up to me, I guess, but uh, it'll be out. It'll be out by Christmas and, and, uh, it'll be fun for everyone to enjoy. You know, I'll put a Santa in there too. And that way, you know, give her <laughs> the Christmas vibe. <laughs> The old Shenmue Santa walking around a boita. Exactly. Ho, 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 ho to everybody. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, I've, I, mean, I've wa- I mean, I've watched your YouTube videos and before I, before I reached out to you. And, uh, yeah, the, the world you've created, is, it sh- the hours that you put in show, I think. You've, you can see the, the care, the attention to detail. I picked up, actually, I was watching your video, your first video again about half an hour before you came on online actually and i noticed a little easter egg you put um by the phone in the in the hazuki doji you had um the reference to master chen's place in there oh yeah, which, yeah. and that's 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 shenmu though that is what shenmu is about it's not just the the bigger world it's those attention that attention to detail that you that, that Shenmue fans adore, and that's just one the one example I just I picked up straight and I I smiled at that and thought yeah, it it gets it what you've put together encapsulates the feel of Shenmue within a within a platform that Shenmue really hasn't been in before, and I think from seeing not just only the, the Hazuki Dojo, seeing Rio's room, seeing the house, seeing. Dabuita and all the areas you put together, I think it's a fantastic job. Mike, I wanted to ask actually, are you gonna ver- are you gonna veer into doing the harbour or anything as well? Or is that is that something sort of on the back burner for now? I get I think that would be on the back burner. It's simply just because I think the harbour is less I do feel a connection to the harbour, but I feel like it's kind of visually kind of not not as fun to run around the harbor, I guess. I, I really, you know, I could probably do it pretty quickly in comparison to the to the rest of the game because it's it's a lot more big details, um, kind of more blocky architecture type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it could happen. There, there is a a a really well designed Japanese model of a bus that somebody already created in Dreams. I'm just, it's just begging to be used in Shenmue. It just looks like the bus in Shenmue. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta put that in there some somehow. There's also like a telephone that looks just like the one in the tobacco shop that I haven't put in there yet, but it, it looks just like it does in Shenmue. So I, you know, kind of want to. I'm tempted. The funny thing about the phone, uh, actually, if you you can actually call that number and you'll hear uh my own uh rendition of guizan or however you say his name uh saying like uh father's heaven or whatever and then you know I've, uh, in, in the game like rio goes oh is this the chen residence and then he just ha- hangs up on him <laughs> so you know i put a lot of little jokes like a uh, little uh little nods to the shenmu uh you know funny lines in shenmu I, did you play in japanese or english because in in America, we played it in English, and it kind of has its own particular feeling, that weird kind of cheesy dub. Uh, <laughs> when, when I got it, obviously, back in back in the day, it was um, Shenmue 1 was English, and then Shenmue 2 
came out with the Japanese dub and the English subtitles. Um, so, I, I, yeah, the English, I think the English dub has a certain charm to it. It is a little bit cheesy. It's a little bit corny, but it has a fond place in my heart, I think. Um, I lean personally more towards the Japanese dub. I, I, I think over time, especially playing the Yakuza games, until recently they were they they only had a Japanese dub. So I got almost used to that side of things, if you like. Yeah, it's it's, it's more authentic. Like I, I do that with with anime that takes place in Japan. It's like it doesn't feel right when someone's like, oh hey, uh, Hazuki San. Like it just doesn't sound quite as good with an American accent sometimes. But uh, I don't know with Shenmue. It kind of Shenmue one at least it was. I don't know. It's kind of like a weird trippy kind of voice acting where it's, it's sort of like in Silent Hill. You know, it's it's kind of a weird like dreamlike uh, sensation that that weird uh, the voice acting. <laughs> it's its own thing, you know, but it's uh, certainly something I want to play in Japanese. I never played it in Japanese, actually. It's certainly an experience if you when you do go to play it in Japanese. I think it's a very when I because I only played Shenmue One in Japanese when the re-releases came out, I'd never got round to to getting the undubbed version on my Dreamcast or anything at the time. So when I played it, it was a bit of a shock actually because I'd only ever played it in English. But I think then once you get into it, it is it is more of an authentic experience. I think in the way the game presents itself, and I just for me, it's a personal thing. I think I I felt more drawn into it than than I did comparing it to the English. English dub version, not to say yeah, the English dub, I think for Shenmue 1 is very, very good, I, especially at the time. You've got to consider the amount of work that I think all yeah. of the <laughs> had to go through to do it. Um, but I think sort of going back to your project, I think like the thing when you pick up the phone, you, you're getting that you know, Father's Heaven, etc. Those, again, this is why I think it's your project's created a stir within the community because. Those are the sorts of things that Shenmue fans look out for. Those are the sorts of things we thrive upon. Those little details. I'm sure you've probably sort of been around you know, for a number of years. Shenmue fans are like detectives. I think they will. Yeah, yeah that's that's a good that's a good. Uh, we were talking about who kind of is driven to Shenmue. Yeah, that's that's a good. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that. Like you look over the years, you look at all the fans and the community groups that have have delved into every little nook and cranny trying to find anything. Um, funny story, actually. Um, James, who's the co-owner of the dojo with me, has got his Shenmue World magazine on Kickstarter at the moment. But if, do you remember the anime rumours going around before it got announced? Uh, I, I had heard about the anime as soon as it was announced, so I actually didn't hear about any rumours. Um, uh, but yeah, when I heard about the anime, I was like, what? Yeah, Shenmue's really coming back, you know? This is great. We'll touch on, touch on that in a second, I think. But um, they, the anime rumours were circulating for about three weeks before the announcement. And Shenmue fans, being Shenmue fans, started delving into all these details, trying to find out you know, where this announcement may be coming from, who might be doing this, whether it was even an anime or not. And ironically enough, one of the community members found the logo for the Shenmue World magazine that hadn't even been announced yet on the internet. <laughs> And you sort of sat there. I'm sat there going, I'm going to have to put out a fire here because they go, well, what's this? It could be this. It could be, yeah, it could be Shenmue World. We don't know what it is. It could be a new game. I'm like, no, I know what that is. You found it by accident. But it's that sort of stuff that I think Shenmue fans thrive upon. It's that attention to detail. It's that detective nature. Mm. And and that's just one very funny example I had of it at the time. But 
moving away from dreams a little bit and into the anime because obviously you express your excitement around it and I think for Shenmue as a franchise is only a good thing. Where do you think it fits in terms of the whole Shenmue franchise? If you were having to sort of put your put your neck on the line and say where it fits in terms of the wider Shenmue strategy franchise, where do you think the anime sits? Well, I think it's going to really attract a whole another group of people into the game. As you were saying, I think Shenmue 1 and 2 do hold up. Uh, and so when a lot more people see this story, and they will, I mean, I think it's going to be on a, Adult Swim, right? Uh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's a huge audience base um, that are going to see Shenmue and they'll be like, oh yeah, Shenmue, I heard that was a game, you know? And if they really kind of realize like, oh, this is a, I think there's a huge audience that just doesn't know about Shenmue that would love it. Like all the people who like Persona and all that, I think they would like Shenmue. They they like the exist being existing in Japan and like talking to people and stuff like that. I think that that audience they might be put off from Shenmue because they're like too young or they think they missed the boat. But yeah, once that anime comes out, I think it's going to attract a, a huge number of people um, to the to the franchise you know adult swim is really kind of knocking it out of the park with the animes lately have have you heard that they're also making an uzumaki anime i don't know if you know what uzumaki is but it's this horror uh comic from uh junji ito which is like an amazing comic and they're making an anime out of it i'm so excited you know so yeah adult swim knocking it out of the park I think I don't I mean, I've heard I'm not a massive anime fan. My my wife actually is really into her anime. She loves it and she's been giving me an education on anime. Mm-hmm. Um when the Shenmue anime gets got announced, I had to brush up very, very quickly on, on what to expect and also the platforms. I mean, adults I'd heard of Adult Swim, even without really being into anime. So I think you're right. I think there is a massive audience that can be captivated by it. And I think as well. Um, you've got to remember that Shenmue came out in 1999, 2000, roughly, mm-hmm. roughly period. So there are a lot of people there who will see that and think, oh, it's an old game. Why should I bother? But the anime is the bridge. It's the bridge into the, it's the bridge into the franchise. It's a bridge into the games. It's a bridge into hopefully further games. It's also a bridge into merchandising, into, into all those other branches. I think as a franchise, Shenmue can exploit with the right audience and the right people behind it in terms of just getting it out there. And I think the anime is a fantastic way in. I, I, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be, it, I think it's really going to be a positive, positive thing for Shenmue and also more Shenmue. I'm not going to turn that down. <laughs> I don't think anybody oh, yeah. would in the community. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, when you consider where we were, although, you know, all those years ago, the franchise was dead. I know Shenmue 3 has has divided opinion in, in, in the fan base, and there are some valid criticisms in terms of the way I think the story has presented itself and other bits and pieces within it. But Shenmue's alive and well now, and not just the anime picking into things, but I think it's given the community an impetus. So your project in Dream, for example, is an impetus, I think, linked to it. So more fans are going to, more people are going to get to see this creation. And as you say, with Dreams, it's there's such a wide amount of people who are picking this up now that they're going to see your world, see Shenmue, and be interested by it because it's such an immersive world. And what you've created fits that, in my, in my honest opinion. 
Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that would be awesome if, if somebody played my game first and then was like, "Hey, I'll try Shenmue." That would be that would be really cool. <laughs> I mean, that, I, I I think Shenmue is, is back. Like, what what are your views about Shenmue Four? Is there any kind of rumors about that coming in in the mix? Or I I I, I mean, there's. <sighs> I, I mean, we don't know in terms of sales. We don't. I know it, financially, it's done okay from what the official channels have said. Um, I believe it will happen. I, I, I honestly do. I think the anime is part of a strategy towards it. I think when you consider, if you can, if the anime is successful, depending on what they what they do in terms of the seasons. So I think season one is going to be Shenmue one and bits of Shenmue two. I imagine season two, if it gets the second season, will be the rest of Shenmue two they might get to the point of the cave. And then if they do the third season, that could be Shenmue 3. I don't know how quickly they can pump these out, but if you hit the third season and then announce Shenmue 4, it gives people that opportunity to catch up to the story so that when Shenmue 4 releases, we're all from the same base. I don't think it'll be any time soon. Um, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, I think we'd be lucky to see an announcement on Shenmue 4 before the end of 2022 i think uh-huh. they've they've got to take stock on shenmue 3 i think they've got they will be looking at the feedback that's come in from shenmue 3 um and they'll also be looking at the viability of shenmue 4 and i think the anime the merchandise i think will all look to make that more viable i mean what, what are your thoughts on it i mean yeah i, I think well shenmue 3 was kind of funded by the the fans i'm sure if they announced like oh kickstarter shouldn't move forward at any time i'm sure all the fans would be like hey, pony well actually i don't know because there was that that big mixed reaction for shenmue 3 but to be honest like playing shenmue 3 i was like they they did an amazing job i thought they really captured the the dreamcast spirit of that of those games and they even like made this little area like to thank the fans and everything i thought like how, how much better could it get? Like, it, keep in mind that it was still a much more reduced uh, funding than the original games. Absolutely, absolutely. It was when you consider the the first games were were world records at the time. They've got they. I think the, the final quoted budget from Yuzuzuki was about twenty million dollars. I don't know if that includes your marketing or not, but obviously you lose some of the money through your Kickstarter fees. Mm-hmm. I think. It's, five percent because you want to do that and your reward so you're already on that six million you're down a little bit already one and a half million down on that which is quite a substantial amount of money um when i interviewed um i interviewed ryan payton um a while ago and he was talking that they didn't have the source code for shenry one and two so they've had to develop this game for shenry three completely from scratch all the game systems the fighting system Everything about it, it had to be developed from scratch. And his his take on it was they spent around 70% of the time on a reduced budget as well um, developing the systems. So that 30, 30% of the time was was spent on things like the story and everything else. So it's got, in my humble opinion, I think Shenmue 3 is almost a proof of concept in some respects. I loved yeah. it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was an, you know, for what it for the budget they had, I think they did a fantastic job with it. Yes, I think in elements the story falls short, um, and I think that's and, that, and this is coming from someone who 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 really enjoyed it. But I think it's it's a basis for Shenmue Four, much like Shenmue One was for Shenmue Two. I think Shenmue Four now it's got the core systems from Shenmue Three in place. 
can really hone in on those those story beats and really hone in on that and refine what refine a formula there to really I think really really hammer home what 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 the Shenmue story is going to be going forward and I think there's a lot of exciting things to come um it's just I think as a fan base we we have to keep vocal and things like the community projects like yours are part of that it's keeping vocal it's keeping the name out there it's 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 showing that we, we, we're not sat, just satisfied with Shenmue 3, that we want more and we're not going to stop until we get it. And that's I think that epitomizes the, the community fan base and projects projects like your the Dreams Project and all sorts of the other fan projects have gone on over the years epitomize that for me, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's that uh, that detective spirit that's keeping it alive. <laughs> yeah, it's the fans, I'm telling you. They're 100% invested in Shenmue and... It's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing, you know. Some games really connect to people, and uh, I think Shenmue is is one of those. It's a, it's a shame that it doesn't. I think it doesn't get the credit it deserves. And it's like the third game being such a a love letter to the fans, and having like kind of other reviewers kind of you know talk crap about it was just. It's like it reminded me of people talking crap about the original Shenmue games. You know, I don't know if you remember like Shenmue one and two. I think they're averaged in around like 7.5 to 8.5 like scores. You know, it wasn't getting like over nines. I mean, maybe from some people, but from a lot of reviewers, it was uh, kind of a mixed, mixed bag, you know, and looking at it now, I mean, it's such a groundbreaking game that you'd be like, wait, what what are you talking about? This is an amazing thing. I think what Shenmue does is it has like, it bridged this, the, the gap between cinematic, uh, uh, the cinematic world and the games world. And, you know, that it's a legacy that'll, that's going to live forever. Oh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about actually is, is the metaphor that Shenmue is, um, you know, the, um, at the end of Shenmue two, when you, when you actually get to Shenhua's house, she talks about the Shenmue tree. She talks about how it is where the, the kids would play like and they would always feel safe and when i heard that one i heard that on my third or fourth pay, playthrough and i was i just it tapped into my mind i was like oh whoa that is is yu suzuki kind of like making a metaphor is the shenmue tree like shenmue the game and it really is it's like it kind of taps into your childhood i think it's it's a very very deep deep feeling you know you get with this game wouldn't you say <laughs> I'd agree with you, and I think I think every fan interprets Shenmue slightly differently, and I think that's the beauty of it. And it's the beauty of of what Yuzuki was trying to do. Um, we can all look at both, you know, all, all three games, in fact, and we can we can interpret things in slightly different ways. But in the end, we're all drawn under the same umbrella. Which I think your metaphor actually it fits it. The Shenmue tree is is the game and is the franchise, and we are we are those those the fans and you know, the people playing underneath and it is it's it's his own community it's his own franchise and it's um it's taken on a life of its own actually i think over time over the years i think shenmue has has grown and grown even in the dark days and there were many many dark days for the community very dark <laughs> yeah. um, I, think, I think some of us and myself included always wanted it to happen but 
never really believed it would because it went so long and so long and so long that after a while you move on. I think life moves on, doesn't it? Um, you grow up, you get older, uh, your interests may change, which I know some people's have over, over the years. So that when it when it came back, I think it gave the community the shot in the arm, I think at the right time that it needed. And I think, I think going forward, despite the split on Shenmue 3 as a whole, the community is invigorated again and are, and are ready and, and are really awaiting the push towards a Shenmue 4 and hopefully a Shenmue 5 for all we know. And I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. No one does. I think the only the only person who knows is uh, Mr. Zuki himself. Of course, but, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's very secretive about these things, so I'm told. So I think it's all about the, it's keeping the spirit alive. And your your project is is something that adds to that, honestly. And I think there's a there's a real buzz around it because it's part of a wider community spirit. And mm. I don't think I I think we'd struggle actually to find a community spirit like ours on the internet. Maybe I'm biased, I don't know. Um I mean, hey, I can't really think of a better community that I mean, what other what other community like has focused on a game that was thought to be dead for 14 years, but kept it, kept it going. You know, I don't, I can't think of one, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there, maybe there is one, but I, I not that I know of, to be honest. You're struggling. I think they're, they're, you can consider streets of rage four possibly in, in oh, that yeah, bracket. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I, don't, I don't know if, I mean, I don't think they were ever as vocal as, as, as the Shenmue fans. I, I, I might be wrong. I'm not, I'm not encapsulated. I mean, I like Streets of Rage 4. It's a really good game, but I've never been encapsulated in that community. So I might be completely talking out of turn. But when you consider in wider gaming, Shenmue was always recognized for its community in the dark years that it never stopped. And I think you're right. I don't think there's been a community out there that I'm aware of. And I, again, I could be talking out of turn. So I'm probably annoying, annoying someone as I speak, but um, <laughs> that, I don't think there's been a community out there who, who is kept something alive as long as, as the Shenmue community have. And, and I think it's a testament to the longevity and also to the, to the, to what the games did and what the games mean to everybody, even if yeah. they do mean different things to different people, it, it, you're going to struggle to find a franchise that we might be small. We might be, there might not be that many of us when you consider other games out there, but we're loud. Oh, yeah. We don't. <laughs> and, and I think Shenmue, drives that because for the way it encapsulated our minds and our, our feelings at the end of the day and it's um i know it's only a video, it's only a video game but it certainly changed the way i think about games it changed the way um i played games and influenced the way all the games that i buy today and it yeah it really definitely whenever i see like a town i'm like oh i gotta play that game you know i want to play any game with a nice town that's i think shenmue gave me that scratch or that itch uh, and one thing I want to thank you for is the Shenmue Dojo. I, when I was a very, I mean, so you created the Shenmue Dojo. Is that, is that, am I correct here? With I'll the, give you a brief, brief sort of history rundown. It started in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, a man named Andy Bandos started it all the way back in the year 2000. Um, and it's morphed over the years because uh, myself and James took it over in, in July or June this year. So we've only been in, in, in the role 
of, of owners for for a short time but the dojo spans 20 years it's it's crazy actually yeah i I have so many memories of being like on like you said on the dial up like looking at i was a little kid i was like lurking on the forums at the time and i learned about like really cool like movies and games from some of the some of the, the people online and so, yeah, it was an amazing community and one that I gravitated towards because it was people who also liked Shenmue and, you know, so we kind of like the same things. And, uh, you know, I, I was a lurker, you know, I was just like looking at your guys's posts. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I it was a very valuable resource uh, for me as a kid, uh, the, the, the dojo, you know. Yeah. Did you go on the forums a lot uh, when when you were when you were younger? Yeah. I signed up in, oh, it must have been 2007, I signed up properly. I lurked a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know, like, Orange Lightning? He always would be an interesting poster. I don't know if you know anything about that guy. But uh, he was an interesting one, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a two. I'll tell you what, over the years, there's some people that have been and gone. Um, some have come back. Some have, some have sort of re-emerged. Some have sort of left the community, but they're... I'd be. I'm always very interested to see where where people are now. Like Andy, who set it up, um, doesn't even play video games anymore. For example, oh no, which is, I know it's funny because I, I um, he he did an interview, well, written interview for us for the um for the twentieth birthday we just had, and it, it's funny. I think we yeah you know, we have lost some community members on the way, but we've also gained many many valuable community members across across the years and i think it's, that's always going to happen um but i think the dojo is one resource in a in a um in a collection now actually of, of many fan community groups that are out there yeah yeah it's a it's it's funny how everything evolves you know it's it's uh and where we are now i'm pretty happy because we got shenmue 3 and you know it seems like you know the anime is coming so it's very likely we're, we're gonna see a shenmue 4 and uh, I'm happy with the uh, the foundation that was set with uh, Shenmue 3. Yeah, I, I am as well. So my last sort of point is a question, I think, before we sort of round ourselves off, is obviously you, we're releasing this on hopefully Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, mark that in your calendars, everyone. You, well, if you don't mark Christmas Day in your calendars, you're probably in trouble. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um what what are you going to move on to next in terms of projects, um, be it Shenmue related or or anything else? Have you got what, what's in the pipeline coming up? So I mean, my main focus is, uh, for a couple of years now has been my YouTube channel where I make game reviews, uh, similar to the style of those old game trailers reviews and the new Easy A reviews. You know, so the, it's a game review channel, kind of a you know, I kind of talk and about uh, my feelings about games after I play them for, you know, 20 minutes or so, 10 minutes or so. And I kind of really focus on the editing aspect and really want to make a nice like a visual cinematic kind of uh, fun little thing to watch. And so I've just been kind of learning editing software and getting better and better at editing. Um, so I I do uh love building things in dreams but it is such a time sink it's like like i said it's the only game i've been playing for for months now i can't i can't find the time to play any other game so at a certain point i gotta put that down or maybe not you know maybe i'll just keep playing dreams exclusively and maybe shenmue 4 when that comes out but there's still a lot of games that are coming out 
that I really want to play. And I haven't had the time to because I've been so focused on this project. And making a game has really made me appreciate all the work that goes into these AAA games and the products that these teams are able to give us. You know, I'm just one guy. And, you know, so building something is very laborious. And so having a big group of people behind a big project makes you realize it's like, you know, it's like a an orchestra, you know, you can, you can play something beautiful on a violin, but you know, when you have an orchestra, you can create something really, really out of this world. So I, I kind of want to get back into, to reviewing some other games. Obviously if, if, um, if I do decide to make something else in dreams, I have a feeling it's going to be something slightly different. I, I have this kind of, uh, an urge to make a horror game, like, uh, <laughs> because, in dreams, you can make some pretty crazy scale things, um, especially since you're playing in VR. You can really make an enormous monstrosity that maybe will tap into that, uh, excuse me, uh, like HP Lovecraft kind of sensation of horror that I really kind of want to create. And oh, one thing there's, by the way, there's a lot of crazy Easter eggs in the Shenmue game that are not necessarily Shenmue related, but they are like Dreamcast related and are of a surprising scale. Some of them you'll see. And I think you'll, if you know which one I'm talking about, you'll kind of get an idea of what this horror thing I'm talking about is. But yeah, with, with dreams, you can kind of make some interesting, um, some interesting, really, really creative things. So when, when I was a kid, I would always really, I, my thing was drawing monsters. <laughs> Like, it's just my thing. I like to make like big monstrosities and crazy things. And uh, I think it mainly because like when you're creating a monster, you can kind of make mistakes and then build off those mistakes. And no matter how grotesque it looks, it's going to be its own thing. Uh, so with dreams, I think I think you can make some pretty interesting monstrosities in dreams. So that may be my next project, some some sort of horror uh, thing in dreams. But other than that, it'll be the game reviews. I, I still need to make a, a review for dreams. It's a very intensive uh, game to kind of try to encapsulate in a, in a review, but um, I'm going to attempt to do so with all this uh, Shenmue VR footage I have. And I, I have like, you know, gigabytes of footage of me building this thing. Um, so, you know, I hope to make a big dreams review to kind of encapsulate my feelings on that game. From there, I'll probably move on to another game to review. Um, but maybe I'll go back to dreams and create some horror projects. That's my, my feeling. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds, sounds really, really good. And yeah, I wish you a uh, good luck with your YouTube channel as well. Cause I, I have had a look around. I think certainly it's starting, it looks like it's starting to pick up when, what I will do is um, when, when we, um, when we air this, I will stick the, uh, I'll stick your YouTube link in, in our video description so that and guide people into it. So subscribe to it. If you're listening to this, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, good content. <laughs> I think you know, individual sort of reviews on games and things like that. I, I like those sorts of things personally, and I think it's it's good to have the more the merrier, in my opinion. Right, uh, and I, I I do like really focus on editing the the video so that it's going to be like not a boring watch. It's just not like some guy talking to a camera for for thirty minutes. It's it's edited. I put like if you really want to see a really well edited one, I think my my best one right now is the death stranding review where I kind of, you know, I don't care about making money off these videos. So I I just went ahead and I put the death stranding soundtrack in the review itself. And I kind of like put little cutscenes within timing things out. It's kind of like a big, long video game music video kind of thing. It's kind of, it's a, it's a, that one is a, I'm pretty proud of. And I think they're getting 
you're getting better as I get more comfortable with the, the software. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, all that remains for me to say is thank you for your time. Um, I appreciate you coming to talk to me today. Um, I wish you absolutely all the best with your YouTube channel and also um, Shenmue in Dreams. Um, when it comes out, I will make sure that that is all over our social media like a rash <laughs> because I think I think it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful project. And I think I want as many eyes on it from the Shenmue community as absolutely possible because I think you've done an absolute stellar job on it. So thank you for coming on and um, I wish you all the best going forward. Yeah, thank you for having me. And yeah, let's uh, let's hope for Shenmue 4. Yeah. <laughs>